Jess Daly back on the pod. Yay! Yeah, yeah. Hello. That was a, a literal, a literal round of applause. So we're so happy you're back. It's been a while. How have you been? What have you been up to? Oh, I'm good. I'm a bit like in a bit of an overwhelmed, like what is going on, sitch at the minute, like for the last couple of weeks. But I've just been keeping busy, you know, teaching, bit of teaching, bit of uh, organising a gig at home, which has been interesting. Which sold out in like a day. (laughs) Yeah, like it's to be fair, like I'm like, it's a sellout, it's a sellout everyone, but it's like 40 seats and I'm like, it was still a sellout. I struggled to find 40 people sit down to hear me sing, so I think it's a very good thing. Yeah, I've just got a few more tickets to shift on the afternoon performance because I added a 3pm show um uh but yeah it's so like I'm like oh now I actually have to do it and I'm like oh <laughs> so daunting but good yeah I'm good I'm good I'm going to London uh on Monday for a couple of days to see some pals and stuff so that'd be nice and yeah all good all good here Good. Oh, I'm so glad. No, I think it's amazing. I think it's good to like get back to that element of like just gigging and seeing people and doing things. And no, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm chuffed for you. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, I went to London last week. So obviously, yes, I met up with Neha as well. But it was so strange for me just to go from being at home for like a year and a half to suddenly being yeah. around people. But I did like it. I thought it was really good. And obviously, you kind of see there are people still looking after each other. And obviously, I was wearing like a mask on the underground. But did anyone get up for this big ass bump I've got in front of me? Because I can now officially say on the podcast, I am pregnant. Um, exclusive. But yeah, the people just stare at me and then just look away. Yeah, very typical. I see people. Yeah, it's the worst. I was this close to just sitting on their lap. <laughs> I would have. Yeah, just this close. This I would have. Um, but yeah, it was lovely. So I'm excited for you. Neha, what have you been up to? Nothing that exciting. I mean, I feel like seeing you in London was probably my highlight. But yeah, I've been working. I've been kind of like, oh, my laptop screen just fell. Who saw that? Oh, <laughs> that. But yeah, and it, you know, I started going out now, which is nice. I'm getting to see friends. And yeah, I like that London, it doesn't feel like normal yet, obviously, because people should still be careful and should be wearing masks and whatever. Yeah. But it is nice. I was like walking down Bond Street at 9pm and, you know, and it's like that really sweet spot when you're walking down Bond Street and everything is sort of like calming down and the lights are on and it kind of felt like old times. Everything I say sounds like a rom-com. I probably, that's probably a reason for that. Probably, <laughs> yeah, I was walking I mean, down Bond Street. It was 9pm. Lights came down. Old times. May, yeah. you're in the right company. I'm your target audience. I'm like, tell exactly. me Exactly. <laughs> No, I love that. Uh, someone did say the other day, like how many days it was to like Halloween and Christmas. And I was thinking, all oh, the autumn vibes are coming. Oh, God. So, so yeah. And obviously we're going to be able to do more things like this year, hopefully in that kind of period. Because that's my favourite time of year, like the Halloween, the mm-hmm. Christmas and things. Obviously yeah. this year is going to be a little bit different. I will be a whale and um, also very scared <laughs> about bringing, giving birth. But it's all good, you know. 
<laughs> it makes me laugh because there's people that keep saying to me, so are you, are you thinking about giving birth? And I was like, what, eventually? I mean, I think that's the plan. <laughs> I don't think I'm able to keep it forever. But yeah, it is, it is funny. We're going to have to do like a whole episode on like pregnancy because what I've seen on telly is nothing to what it's like in oh real life. Gosh. I, I want to I want to see someone throw up every morning and also piss themselves at the same time because they have no control over their body anymore. <laughs> and then their partner comes in and I just say, "Don't look at me, Scott. Don't look at me." So, um, <laughs> yeah, that's what I want to see on TV. <laughs> make it. I think oh, I will have to make it. You know, I think we will have to. What I have watched recently, which I don't know if you guys, I don't know if you watch this, Jess, but I know ne- Neha got me into this. It's Working Mums on Netflix. I've not seen it yet. No, but I've heard about it. I've heard it people watching it. Genius. It's so funny. It's Canadian. Um, I and don't it's know just what you mean by it. <laughs> I'm so sorry, my Apple Watch. I'm so sorry. She it is going so on good. do not disturb. <laughs> she just wanted to join in. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I'm so sorry. That <laughs> was so funny. I love the machines are taking over. Machines are taking over. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, it's just so funny and it's so realistic. And I definitely recommend that to everyone. But yeah, watching wise. I feel like I have been watching Love Island this year and it's kind of taken over and I don't know what I'm doing with myself. <laughs> Jess is shaking I didn't do it this year. I didn't yeah. do it this year. Normally I, I fall into the trap and this year, I think when it started, I was running around and I was quite busy and I always have this thing with, if I don't start it from the beginning, like from dead on, things like that, like I'm a celebrity, all the reality TV shows, then I don't quite get on board fully and I took it as a good sign because <laughs> I'd have had no life. And I think, yeah, I was, I've been doing bits and bobs outside of outside of the house. So I think, yeah, I've not got on it. I've not got on it. I'm quite glad I muted it on Twitter as well. Muted everything oh. so I don't see anything um, because it was just absolutely saturating my timeline. <laughs> so it, it does like from nine till 10, it's pretty much like a... I think that's part of the viewing experience almost as well, which is kind of strange when yeah. you think now that watching television is kind of like an interactive experience that you are kind of like watching it with people, even if you are alone yeah. or at home. But yeah, what, watching was, I mean, Jess, have you been back to the cinema? I have. Yeah, I uh, I went to see Cruella a few months ago, which I absolutely loved, cried, laughed, like went on my own. I like to go on my own. Um, so I had a little trip out, a little solo trip. Took myself a dinner. I was I was um, doing a show in Leicester. And it was on my day off, so they have a really oh. nice cinema there. So yeah, I went to see Cruella, and then I actually went to see In the Heights, obviously with uh, one of my mates from home. Okay, so how was it? Because we haven't seen it, but we've been talking about it on the pod about like, should we go see it? Should we not? Obsessed. Oh. Obsessed. Really? And like, yeah, because because right. I have avoided It's one of those things I avoid the hype of stuff Like I'm just not a hype girl If people are like Go see this I'm like Well I'm not going to go see it For another three months Because you told me to go see it So I tell people To go and see stuff And then I get mad At people not going to see stuff But when people tell me To go and see stuff I'm like No I'm not going <laughs> I've avoided Like in the heights I didn't get to see the show In London Because I had uh, people who I knew in, were in the show, but it was at a time where I couldn't go for some reason. So I hadn't seen the show and I thought, no, I'm, I'm not going to listen to any of the music until I can see a full product of it. Okay. So I went not knowing much about it, not hearing much of the music. I'd heard some of it and I just needed it. Like, I think as a musical theatre person, I just sat and just smiled for like two hours. I just loved it. I don't know. I love it. 
I love it. I love Lynn Manuel's stuff though. I was the same with Hamilton. I avoided Hamilton like until the bitter end, until I had a friend in it. I was like, I have to go see it now. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And I went to see it and I was like, it was just the best thing I've ever seen. Um, I love that. So yeah. I didn't I did love it. Are you gonna go see it? I think I will do, yeah. And like you, like I think is Lim Manuel Miranda, is he doing the music for the next Disney film? The animated one. Sorry, I don't know that. Now mine's kicking off. What's going <laughs> on? <laughs> what is going on? This never happens. This is so bizarre. Do you know what I love though mm. is that I think I mean, obviously, musicals being turned into the film adaptations, I think is a really great opportunity for those who can't afford to go to the theatre to actually be part mm-hmm. of that experience. And I think a lot of places, you know, we've got a lot of live theatre happening where they kind of broadcast in the cinemas at the same time. And I think it's really important, obviously, not losing that kind of West End theatre Broadway experience, but yeah. just kind of streamlining it out. And I mean, now theatre's back. I mean, you've seen on Twitter already, but like the prices are just ridiculous. And like, yeah, I'd love to get your opinion on this because obviously you're in that world as well, and it's yeah. it's difficult, isn't it? It's hard. I think we've not been dealt a very good card by the government and the and the um, isolation guidelines and the the fact that the government. I don't want this to be like a political bashing, but like hey, the government <laughs> promised an insurance policy to theatres and producers if anything were to happen um, with like COVID outbreaks in theatres. Um, and they're yet to see this insurance policy. And I think because of that, producers... I mean, producers have lost a lot of money. Everybody's lost a lot of money over the past year or so. And um, opening um, theatre shows at um, half capacity, even you're hemorrhaging money because like it still costs the same amount to put on a show that you would usually get all of the ticket sales from, but now you can only sell half of the tickets. So Mm. people have been putting on shows because they want theatre to be back up and running again. um, And they've been paying, they've had to pay because of like unions and stuff like that. They've had to pay the staff and the cast and the crew um, the same amount, even though there's an agreement that it's been adjusted for for COVID times, but they're not raking in as much money as they, they would usually do. So I see it from both sides, really. It's really hard because it makes theatre inaccessible and it takes it it's taken it back a tiny little bit towards the elitist level of making it quite mm. inaccessible for people who don't have much money um which is really sad it's really really sad as artists as well because we don't have much money either like i don't have much money i can't pay 150 quid to go and see a show at the moment like it's just not gonna happen so uh yeah it's it's really hard but it's people have lost a lot of money and the government haven't helped is the be all and end all and and they want at the moment it's kind of like making the arts back to being an elitist thing because as I say they're tracking away all of like the education even in schools like they're cutting all the funding for arts programs in schools and they're taking the I don't know they're taking it away from that and putting it towards the more academic side of things which is quite frustrating because the arts are really important I think in not just for people who want to be artists but just in in general for people expressing themselves and stuff so yeah it's hard it's really really hard really hard um but the whole um streaming theatre has been great over lockdown I think 
just to open it out to everybody, as you've said, and to make it more accessible to everybody and to really draw in new audiences that perhaps wouldn't go to the theatre. So yeah, definitely. I think it's uh, to have a mix of both is really good because people who then can't afford the travel to London to go and see West End stuff don't have to fork out. They can just sit and watch stuff at home or people isolate in. Mm. Yeah, it's hard. It's really hard. I mean, it's really tricky, really tricky. Yeah. Well, you look at like Hamilton, like Hamilton go on Disney Blast. Like I was finally able mm. to see it. And then I remember someone I thought was a friend was like, oh my God, people talking about Hamilton. I saw that like four years ago. I was like, yeah, well, I didn't. So shut the fuck up. Anyway, yeah, well, moving on. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we are talking about a very special TV show this week. Let's be honest. It's Never Have I Ever, um, which is on Netflix. And it was created by Mindy Kaling and Lang Fisher. Now, it's loosely based on Mindy Kaling's childhood experience in the Boston area. And obviously, we know Mindy from The Office, The Mindy Show, being Mindy Kaling. So this was kind of like her, her first kind of teen product. Now, Neha, you've been a fan of hers for a long time. And you've met her as well. What <laughs> Jess is just like, ah. Oh. Um, That's a good. What, what was your thoughts when the show first came out? Not so much the storylines, but when you kind of first heard that she was doing this show and it was called Never Have I Ever. Because obviously we, we have been, we don't have a love-hate relationship with her. We just have a very, okay, that was a little bit wrong. That was a little bit right. What did you, what did you think, basically? I'm, I'm blah, blah. Yeah, so I mean, for context, I saw her at a book signing. So I was like, I went like a fan fan. I didn't just bump into her in a really cool setting. But um, yeah, no, when I first heard that she was making this show, I was excited because it was a teen show about people who look like me. So it was like very basic level, really excited. But I was also nervous because like you say, like, you know, for anyone who's seen the Mindy Project, and even if, you know, some of the op- um, episodes that she made at The Office, like there are some things that are questionable, you know? But I think overall, I was just really excited. And we sort of, you know, we talked about season one in general. We talked about a lot of kind of things that she should improve for the next season. And then, you know, we'll talk about how we, we thought that she did that in season two later. But yeah, I think I was excited. And she was hot. Like when I found, well, not Mindy. Well, I mean, she is. But like <laughs> when, you know, when the shows, like when the posters and stuff came out and then they and we saw who was going to be playing this Indian teenager. She's hot. Like it, I was, I was worried it was going to be like woman Raj from the Big Bang Theory. Not that there's anything wrong with like being Raj from the Big Bang Theory, but that's like really what I expected. <laughs> so it was nice that she was like this hot dork. Yeah, definitely. Jess, did you kind of was? Did someone tell you to watch it, or did you kind of see it on Netflix and think, "Oh, that looks quite good"? I stumbled across it, you know, because I'm not. I've not, unlike you guys, I've not really watched a lot of Mindy Kaling stuff I like obviously know who she is and have seen her in bits and bobs but um she hasn't been my go-to for watching stuff um and I stumbled across it on Netflix and I was like oh what's this this I just need something like nice to watch and I put it on and I binged the whole thing like was it last year when did it come out yeah just last year? year yeah was it in lockdown and I was like oh what's this and I, I think I watched it in two days like and I did the same with season two <laughs> I got really obsessed with it. I don't know why. I, I thought at the time I was like, I shouldn't be enjoying this as much because it's such a teeny thing. But I was like, I'm, we've talked about these this obsession with the nostalgic kind of yeah. teen yeah. content in film and TV that I'm 
obsessed with and I just got really hooked and I think because I as I'd mentioned before like regressed back into my 18 year old self over lockdown I was like oh my god I need this so much right now so yeah I stumbled across it and I mean Paxton is just this I'm here as the chairman (laughs) of the Paxton fan club if I'm honest so (laughs) so glad you could make it we did send our invites you know to the whole (laughs) presidential committee it's uh yeah it's funny because I I obviously never was talking about it for a while and I was like, okay, but to be honest, I kind of looked at it and thought, oh, I don't know if I really want to watch a teen drama. Like I've, I've tried to steer away from like Riverdale and Elite and the new Gossip Girl. Cause I kind of, not that I think I'm above it. I just think I just can't be asked to go down a teenage route. But the difference with this that I found was that it was about an average nerd. It wasn't about like the, the popular kids in school, the richest kids in school. It was about an average nerd that was just obviously like, the ambitious teenage girl that just had the same urges we all did, the same confusion we all did about our bodies and sexual awakenings and things like that. And yeah, and obviously when you said it was Mindy Kaling, I was kind of like, oh, I don't know, the Mindy show was a little bit up and down. And I feel like Mindy, Mindy's a very big fan of rom-coms, isn't she? And then I watched it and like you, Jess, I was just like, okay, this is really comforting. It's it's very, it's even though it's a modern show, it is quite nostalgic of that kind of 90s, noughties that we mm-hmm. grew up in. So I think it was it was very... It was really interesting to see that on a mainstream platform like Netflix to have it about Indian family as well and the culture elements to it. And where it wasn't just a side character was shoehorned in Light Raj and the Big Bang Theory or Mindy in the office, for example, or trying to think of other examples. (laughs) There's not many. I was just saying the fact that you can't think of any examples speaks volumes about the issue, doesn't it? Like there aren't many of us. No, because you can't even compare this with another mainstream Indian show, really, can you? So, yeah, so de- delve into it. Obviously, it's, so it's loosely based on Kalyan's childhood experience. She wanted to put herself on a teen stage. She said, you know, nerds are not always the wallflowers, the quiet ones. We're ambitious with obnoxious personalities. We want to have sex and dreams like all of the other kids because it is basically a young adult show. There's, you know, it's not a family-friendly show, I'd say. And she said the evolution of the nerd. She did say that people like Judd Apatow taking Superbad and taking the nerds and taking it to that next level was something that inspired her. Uh, obviously book smart as well with Olivia Wilde mm-hmm. kind of having that kind of nerd appeal but what do those two have in common they're all white kids so she wanted to do it with an ethnic nerd which, which is what she said and she wanted someone who's badly behaved and horny which gives us Debbie <laughs> that's how, that is exactly how I would describe her badly behaved and horny so let's let's start with Debbie to be honest obviously she's our main character she had no prior acting experience mad <sighs> on that like I honestly think it's one of the best performances I've seen by a, a young actor in forever and you know what it's I think from an acting perspective the seasoned actors uh, who have a lot of experience I don't know it's that thing of you lose the the kind of raw element to it don't you like the raw <laughs> kind of approaching it without much kind of gauge of what else you have to go by experience wise so you can really tell you can really tell and it's in all of the best ways like she just makes me laugh she breaks my heart and I just think it's one of the most honest performances I've seen in a while it's great yeah she's she's so strong so strong She's got an air of, it's funny because she's got an air of like 
matureness to her as well like with her jokes as well she comes across as like a like a season SNL cast member like it's never kind <laughs> yeah. of like she's just naturally funny and if you watch um like if you're obsessed like me if you watch like all of the bloopers or the making of or the interviews she is so naturally funny and mature yeah. that she makes the other guys look like fools like she absolutely scores them when she's like doing interviews and doing like um TikToks and things like that I mean, Neha, like you said yourself, like to have like a hot actress in the role as well. Yeah, I think I I mean, I agree with you. I think everything about her is disarming. She don't you know, you don't really know what you're going to expect from someone who's new. You kind of hope for the best, but you don't you know, you don't know what you're going to get. But because she is so she, like you said, yeah, she's not drawing from past experience. She's drawing from herself in the best way possible. And it's just I think she's the best. I just she's so she's just seems to be so witty and smart and yeah she's hot she's hot <laughs> so yeah Mindy Kane posted out an announcement on social media saying that she's looking for South Asian women to audition for her um and it, at the time it was an untitled coming of age comedy so Maitri's best friend sent her the cast in screenshot this is how young they are um <laughs> and they made an audition tape in their library community center with her mum's camera love that <laughs> I mean, Jess, you know all about casting tapes, don't you? Oh, my God. And I know all about casting tapes with my mother. (laughs) They're always the best ones. They're always the best ones where you kind of throw them together with what you've got. Like, she's been creative and she's threw that together. And I think they're the most authentic ones as well. She's clearly just put herself into it, which is sick because it got her the job. Yeah. yeah, so she was asked to send four more videos before having a screen test, and then she was offered the role. So she beat out 15,000 actors that auditioned, which is huge, yeah. huge. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like I said, she's fantastic. Now, a lot of people on Twitter have been quite, because, you know, with all teenage girls, very crit- crit- they've criticised her a lot as a character. They've called her problematic. They've said that she, she doesn't deserve to have anyone in the show. And I think a lot of the time that we've discussed this on the show before... Teenage girls are not going to be unproblematic. They are not going to be held on a pedestal. The hormones that are raging through your bodies, the kind of, the fact that technically everyone does hate you. Nobody likes to do anything for the teenage girl. They're easy to sell things to. They don't take them seriously. You're at that point where you're basically being put into boxes off if you're attractive or if you're not attractive by, you know, your male classmates and by older men. So it's never going to be a very popular person. If you look at every single teen drama, like all, everyone's very critical of the girls. Marissa Cooper, Blair Wardoff, like yeah. Riverdale. You could tell her know all the characters. You know, it's, it's one of those things. And I think in this show as well, she's purposely bratty. She's purposely, you know, angry. But the fact is, this is a girl that lost her father and yeah. something I forgot about when, until I rewatched it, she lost the use of her legs. She paralyzed herself, which I think mm-hmm. is, it's not glossed over, but it's a very poignant point at the start of the, the series that I think we do forget about later on that she is dealing with a lot. And in the second season, when her mum is talking to Anissa's mum and she says, we're a good family, we're just going through a lot right now. So what do you guys think about that? Do you think she is bratty or do you think it's part of the character itself, which is why the show is formed around her being bratty? I don't think she's impossible. No, no. 
the way that she is like you know talk about her being bratty talk about her being a little bit sort of she is toxic we can say it but it is it's all kind of a byproduct of the trauma that she suffered you know she mm-hmm. her dad she watched her dad die like yeah she almost moved to India she doesn't necessarily have the strongest relationship with her mom like in that first season we saw that or we got the, the impression that she was a lot closer to her dad and it just she's not one of the most popular kids in school I mean she's great and like you know Mindy says she wanted to go out of her way to make someone who was dorky but obnoxious but then had this personality but she's still you know she's ostracized, ostracized a little bit She's the only brown kid in her school in that first season. Like, there's a lot going on. So what I really like about it is that instead of it just being that Debbie is, like, entirely one-dimensional and bratty and annoying, you see humanity. Like, you see her wanting to be better. You see that she's sensitive. You see that she's quite attuned to what other people are going through, even if she does screw them over to begin with. Um, so, yeah, I think it's it, she's well-rounded. Like, she's not perfect, mm. but that's, like, no one is perfect. No, especially I completely agree. <laughs> yeah, especially with that level of trauma as well. Like there is a lot going on there. And I think, I don't know, she's doing her best. Like she's doing the best with what she knows at that time. And when I think back to like when I was 18, maybe like 16 to 18, and I had a little bit of trauma back then and you you kind of deal with it as you see fit at the time, don't you? Like I, I didn't deal with mine. Like I wasn't in therapy on like, um, Debbie. Yeah. Obviously she is in therapy and like not, I not kind of acclimatized into it, but then gradually does. Um, but I mean, when I was 18, I sweeped her under the rug and moved to London. I was like, see you later. I'm not dealing with this. Like, yeah. So <laughs> yeah. And it's chaos. Like at that age, it's such a chaotic time where there's so much to contend with without trauma let alone put that trauma on top of of that so I love the fact that she's so flawed like and human and relatable in so many ways like there's been so many instances where I'm like oh yeah I do that sometimes and I'm really bad and then I'm like and then you're like I'm so sorry I didn't mean to do that but it's like it's impulsive behavior isn't it and Mm. when you're younger and you're learning and and you're going through that it's you do your best and you make the decisions that you think are the best at the time that don't always turn out to be the best and you learn from them so I think she's great like I think it's it's great to see her as well it's great to see all of that cast who are quite a young cast but the guy who plays Paxton who is a little <laughs> older which I've researched I've researched um yeah so it's great to see that cast like quite a young cast as well because I mean when we when we were growing up and we were watching the OC and One Tree Hill and Gossip Girl and all that business and Dawson's Creek even like they were all so much older yeah as actors playing these parts that you looked up to and you wanted to be at that age you want and and they're older they're like 10 years older so it's (laughs) nice to see the reflection of a cast that is quite young and they look quite authentic for the for the time that we're in at the moment. It's just really believable, I think. So, yeah. Yeah. I think she's quite self-aware sometimes as well. Like, she acknowledges mm-hmm. that she's being awful. And I feel like sometimes she does try to compensate for that and make up for it. Like, we see in season two, like, when she's trying to make it up to Anissa or she's trying to make it up to Paxton. But I agree with you. Like, being a teenage girl, like... I think every teenage girl should have a Nisi Nash to like go talk to because there's a lot going on. And then you add trauma on top of that. 
And for her, like she's a single, she's a single child. Yes, she has Kamala, but she, Kamala's not really a sister. And like, I think there's one point where she says to Kamala, like, oh, we'll look at you like a sister. And she says something like, Well, I have three sisters, so I look at you like a cousin. So there's a little <laughs> I know. I thought that's a bit harsh. So there's, there's some yeah. there's some resistance there. Obviously, her dad is has died in front of her. Her mum is not connecting with her very well. So she is quite alone. And yes, she has these two fantastic friends who are also going through a lot of trauma as well. What a friendship group. I think if she was perfect and nice and normal, we wouldn't enjoy the show. And I just think sometimes why, why do we, I think particularly on social media, they've critiqued her a lot. Whereas people like Carrie Bradshaw... Serena Vanderwoodson, Marissa Oh, Cooper. don't start me on Carrie Bradshaw. Don't start me on Carrie Bradshaw. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> Just can't. Not, not the today. It's another episode. It's um, another episode. <laughs> so let's move on to like some of the other characters in the show as well. So obviously her friends, Eleanor and Fabiola. Um, you've got a really great, diverse friendship here. Um, again, <laughs> Fabiola... Her first major role is on this show. She had a guest role on Blackish, and obviously she is our gay character as well. And she goes through the motions. I really liked this because it wasn't your standard coming out story of where she's like, "Oh, I've got to tell everybody." She was mainly concerned about her mother, and I think that was a really good connection. Season two, though, I did not like her girlfriend or her friends. I thought that was very, very Aww. toxic. I feel like we had a lot of like Eleanor and her boyfriend But trying to change her to be more gay I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on this Because I also, I just, I just don't know I just did not like it I didn't want them to be together in the end No, I I agree Like I didn't really, well I didn't really But I wasn't really bothered I was just like, oh that's just such a Like in a way, like I do love the show as a whole But there was like that odd little bit of Oh why did you do that? You sold out It's kind of like a bit of sellout (laughs) In a way, like I was like, oh no, like I just didn't care. Is that's that really fair. bad? No, that's I fair. I think time, and points. I did. I was so invested in season one. I was so invested. I was rooting for her, but then part of me was just like, oh, just tell them to bog off. You love robots, <laughs> like yeah, yeah, yeah. I d- I think that was maybe a week way out this season. It took up quite a lot of the season, right? Like. It did, yeah. Neha, and yeah. Neha, do you agree with that? Because she was like when we talked about it last year, like she was one of our favorite characters. But this year, I kind of didn't. I feel like she got lost. I yeah, she, yeah. I think she did get lost. I think it's frustrating because I think we needed to see Fabiola go through that sort of like her own little coming of age arc. Because she, you know, she she is embracing her sexuality, whatever that means to her, and is sort of doing that outside of what you would expect a gay person to be. They handled it, like, they did handle it in a way that had me invested, which, yeah, given, like you both said, that season one, we were like, oh, we want the best for her. Not that I didn't want to want the best for her now, but anytime she was on, my brain would go from, like, 100% tuned in to, like, 90% tuned in. Yeah, um, that's exactly it. But there's, there's like, a, I think the one thing I struggle with, like, Fabiola's portrayal is that, they make her out to be this like really awkward and she is on some level. I get it. She's like an awkward teenager, but also she's really cute. Like everyone <laughs> acts like Fabiola doesn't have game, that she doesn't have like a face. Like she has a great face. Everyone just kind of acts like she's this sort of ugly duckling and I'm not into that. I That's just, a very I hope, good point. Yeah. And I hope in season three, we sort of like, we've seen sort of at the end of season two, we kind of saw her embrace the fact that she doesn't have to fit a box to be able to call herself, I actually think in the show she calls herself queer, but I'm not sure. 
she doesn't have to like there is no type so I hope in season three we see her just develop as herself mm. um and and kind of become the confident woman a teenager woman that we can already see that she is yeah I just I feel like season one obviously Eve was this kind of elusive character she really longed for season two I just wanted to slap her sometimes like there's this really great moment where Fabiola's mother is talking about how her and her husband were the first people of colour to win cricket king and queen and Eve didn't even take a beat before making it all about her but like we can be the first gay ones and it's like how about we address this, celebrate this, talk about how this is affecting Fabiola first before like, well, we can one up that almost. That's the kind of vibe I got from it. And we, I don't know what happened. Like someone made a joke to me, like, do you think the actress got COVID? Because we never saw even Fabiola alone. Yeah, that's true. There was no alone mm. time. Like we, we haven't seen their, I don't think we saw their, do we see their first kiss in the last season or was it kind of like, I don't think we did remember yeah there's like no chemistry there for me of them just hanging out or them or even Eve like getting to know like Debbie and Eleanor like there was no kind of it just felt like she had this queer friendship group and Fabiola either fit into it or she wasn't with Eve kind of thing Mm -hmm. and I found that very toxic and I don't think people have addressed it enough for me I um she gave me like I don't know whether I this is I don't know why it made me feel like this. Maybe it's the short hair. <laughs> but it gave me like Ruby Rose, Orange is the New Black vibes, where I was Ooh. just like, I just wasn't, not. I just wasn't bothered about her. I was just like, I'm not bothered about you. You're not doing anything for me. Like, yeah. I, nah. <laughs> yeah, just, I don't Jess know. is literally batting away from the screen. Right <laughs> yeah, she is. Yeah, people, but people were like hyped up about Ruby Rose at the time in Orange is the New Black. And I was just like, nah. Mega hype. What, what you was don't, that? You don't contribute anything to the narrative right now, really, for me. Like, you're just beautiful to look at. And Eve was beautiful to look at. And I was just like, yeah. give me more narrative. Yeah. Well, I don't, say, I don't like, think we know anything about her, do we? Like, no. what's she into? Just leather jackets and the mm, L word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the cliches. The cliches. See, maybe that's why you could critique Mindy, that maybe she's not writing a queer character authentically. I don't, I don't know. Mm. I don't know who... Maybe there's something to be said about the fact that the underdeveloped character on the show is a white woman. Again, yeah, it's a very good point. Interesting. Whereas in yeah. usual times, it'd just be, you know, you'd have a, a character who was a person of colour that would just be very underdeveloped and full of stereotypes. Yeah. Raj, big fang theory again. He just keeps coming up, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> it's a good point. It's a good point. That is good, um, point, yeah. So let's talk about Eleanor. So Eleanor is, um, I mean, I think a lot of people knew uh, Ramona Young. She was on Santa Clarita Diet. She was on Blockers. So I was quite shocked when she was in this because I think she's a little bit older. But yeah, so she plays Eleanor. Obviously, season one, we see her go through finding out her birth mother is awful. (laughs) Um, Mm. And then season two, we have this, again, poorly underdeveloped storyline of her having a, a not abusive boyfriend, but a controlling boyfriend. I found it quite strange. I will say that it felt like it was shoehorned in and underdeveloped. And I thought it could have been a really poignant piece about, because I think teen relationships, it is very easy to have a controlling boyfriend because as again, as a teenage girl, a lot of people, they want a boyfriend. They don't really understand the connotations that can happen when they're like, I don't want you to wear this. I don't want you to do this. I don't want you to talk to them people kind of thing. What were your thoughts on Eleanor during this season? Because 
it seemed to be a lot about this guy, is it Malcolm? Who kind of just looked like he wanted to be Johnny Depp. So yeah, I'd just be interested to hear your thoughts on Eleanor and Malcolm. And then Trent at the end, randomly. Yeah. Really random. Really yeah. random. Yeah, just not really invested. Like, yeah. and it sucks because it was such an like it was such an important like the commentary there that you know he was controlling. He was very nice, and she was kind of getting what's the word I'm looking for taken advantage of. I I feel like they should have invested more time in that. But it, I think maybe that's like the crux of having a half an hour teen comedy where you've got all of these interesting things happening at the same time. Like things are going to fall off. But yeah, I'd like to see I'd like to see more of Eleanor next season because we even got that sort of like snippet. Like, you know, her relationship with her stepmom that we didn't really explore, but sort of explored. So I think there's room. It was I think lovely, them... by the way. I really like that because mm-hmm. we rarely see that stepmom relationship where the stepmom's actually quite nice. Yeah. But no, I wasn't as invested as I should have been, I don't think. When I think about it in hindsight, I think I was really annoyed at her this season. I won't lie. <laughs> I just started to get a bit annoyed in the sense of like, do you know what? In the first season, they were giving Debbie a really hard time about choosing boys over mm-hmm. over them. That's a good point. And then yeah, the same happened with Eleanor, and it's like it was barely touched, and it was very. I think they should have made more of of that. Like in some, I don't know how, but maybe there's a connection there that they could have uh, explored. But also, again, I'm gonna say he was a cliche that it wasn't a fully rounded character and I don't know whether that is the writing to blame or the actor or or what but I just found it very like a bit of a cop-out again there were some bits some characters in that show are so well written and so complex and and nuanced and you can tell that they know every single thought and an intention and and where they're going with it but I feel like that was just it's just a bit of a cop out again. Do you know who he reminded me of a little bit? He reminded me of the guy from Stranger Things who was really hot. Um, the, bad guy, <laughs> Billy. the bad brother. The bad brother, Billy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God, yes. Yeah, you're right. But it was just a bit like, but he's obviously more true. Like, I th- I got more from him, that actor. I got more yeah. like, whereas yeah. this one, it was just a bit like, like, yeah, I'm a bad guy. I'm this and that. And there was no reasoning as to why he was controlling, why he was slightly verbally abusive, like why he was doing this to her. There was no kind of, if there was a kind of a background there, a backstory there that was visible to us, I think it would have made it a bit more clear and more believable. But I just thought it was a bit of a cop out. And also she dumped that, her boyfriend, she dumped her boyfriend at the beginning and then you didn't see him again. And I was like... I thought, oh, they're going to get back together. He's going to turn up and he's going to be the like in a rom-com style, like, look, yeah, I'm still here. I yeah, will and then he, forgive yeah. you. But then she got with Trent. I was like, what? What's going on? Where did he go? Did he get I, COVID? See ya. <laughs> Generally, I, I feel like some people just like, just big fat disappeared. Um, mm. Yeah, Trent, Trent. Trent is very much like the comedic relief, isn't he? Um, yeah. And these, yeah. He does make he, me laugh. I do like Trent. Like, I he just is a brilliant him. character. The recap of uh, Ben's party in season one, I just watched a little bit before. I was like, I'm just going to try and recap. And when he was talking about the spike in the punch and stuff, and I did laugh when somebody said, how is your grandma? And he was like, she has a she has a days or something like that. She has a good days. Like, and it really made me laugh. And I was like, yeah, you are really, he's yeah. strong. He, he is a strong character. He's good. He's good. No, he's good. Yeah. 
So let's talk about her family because again, like to have a, to have like a, a South Asian family on the screen as the main kind of family structure is is fantastic. Um, and we've got different generations in there. Obviously, in season two, we have the grandmother join as well. We actually go to India as well. So Nalini, um, Devi's mum. So she is so complex and has so many layers to her that she's she's an incredible actress and we see so many emotions in her both throughout season one and season two season two is very much a a mourning period I think she lashes out at Devi as much as Devi lashes out at her Mm -hmm. she was you know what I love about her is that she was sold this dream she was going to go to America with her partner she loses her partner quite young as well we also see infertility problems. She obviously loses a baby at one point as well. So that kind of dream of having that big family is probably something she's had to sacrifice to. She's incredibly professional, incredibly talented. And I think season one is very much her mourning and grieving. Season two is her point. It's like the five stages of grief where she's slowly starting to accept and move on. And I think when she goes back to India and she realises that her family, not don't give a shit about her, but basically they're just... It's different. People are different. I think when you live with your parents when you're younger, it's different when you live with your parents when you're older. It can be better. It can be worse. And then, of course, we have Common coming to the mix as well, playing a very dishy, dishy derm. Um, What's the the Netflix show that he said he was going to be on? I've forgotten the name of it now. It was like clever wordplay. Oh, I've no idea. I can't remember. Oh dear. Um, but obviously he comes into the mix and she's got a love interest, which we haven't had for the first time. And usually like we don't really have like an older woman have a new love interest because it's always about the young ones. And obviously she has that kind of internal battle where she's like, should I go for this? Should I not? You know, the whole like hug and kiss situation whilst dealing with raising a daughter. What was your opinion on her growth in season two, particularly when we introduce a love interest? Because Moving on after someone's passed away is a massive thing. Um, and everyone has different timelines for it. Everyone has different judgments for it, particularly Devi, as we saw in the show. What did you think of Common's introduction? I'd be very... And like, Neha, you were nodding away. As soon as Common was announced as cast, you were like, hold on, this must be for Nalini. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think there are two things to touch on. Firstly, yes, I love Common. But also, it's nice to have an interracial mixed race couple where one of those partners isn't white because it's always palette like relationships that are interracial on tv generally tend to be made more palatable by one of those people being white and there's nothing wrong with that of course that exists but it's only what we see so to have like a south indian woman and a black man in two really attractive intelligent characters have this situation where they do have chemistry and they do like there's a lot you can feel it i feel like you can feel it was amazing but yeah i what did i think of Nalini well she's my favorite character I think so I she reminds me a lot of kind of the immigrant brown women that I've grown up around like always juggling a lot always doing their best always kind of you know being compassionate but still being quite like emotionally detached from the situation she reminds me of so many people that I know and um I really like the depth like I really like that they shy away from make they don't shy away from making sure that someone of her I'm gonna say someone of her age and it makes her sound really old but like given that it's a teen comedy they don't neglect her character development they understand that Debbie's going through stuff but also so is her mum you know she lost her partner she's a single mum she has a job she almost moved to India like there's so much happening um and I really like that her arc is that of one that's still being explored like 
they could have phoned it in and have her settle down with Common and then that's it. That's like the next chapter of her life. But actually it's messier than that. Um, and I like that we get to see more of like more of that explode, hopefully if there's a season three. And yeah, I just, I think she's the best. I love Nalini. Yeah. It's like, it's that thing, isn't it? Where you look up to your parents all your life and then you get to a point where you're like, oh, they're human too. <laughs> they're not, they're not just. They have no uh, idea either. <laughs> Yeah, it's that for me. Like, and watching her try and navigate that this season, I think it's just yeah, it's been great to watch. And and her kind of dealing with and juggling a lot, it's chaos. It's chaos. She's trying to do her best. I think they're all trying to do their best. I think that's as humans what we we do, don't we? And sometimes it's the wrong decision. Sometimes it's the right decision. But the only way that you find out whether it is either is by doing it. <laughs> I love the fact that she is so strong and I think in that sense they're quite similar you can see the the mother's daughter kind of similarities there and I think that's why they clash a lot of the time because that's probably how Debbie would approach things when she was older as well I'm thinking so it's just nice to see the the portrayal of um an adult figure not being just the authority figure and and not listening to their kids and thinking that they're always right. You know, she's quite understanding of a Debbie and she has her back as well, as well as being her mother. So, and, and being the authority figure. So yeah, I think you can tell she's just trying to navigate it. And I think it's really nice to watch. Yeah. I think as well, like the whole, like bringing up your child in a Western world where like you Mm. never lived in it. So you, never experienced it like she never went to the same high school that like Debbie went to she never had friends like multicultural friends that Debbie did like it's it's all very and I'm assuming I mean I don't know if they've said it but I'm assuming that her and Mohan did have an arranged marriage so she never really had like boyfriends or love interests like Debbie had so I think it's amazing that we kind of see that as well it's like we obviously have things like fresh off the boat that we see and blackish that we see but it's very much a different environment like I feel like she's very much an all-rounded character like we see like faults with her problematic features with her like her trying to do things and she's really funny like when she talks about her staff and she's like I'm taking them to the theatre because apparently in America you need to have perks to be interested in earning a living wage like she's so she's so brilliant that you would you you automatically think I should hate this woman but she's so brilliant and lovely too and I think it's really when she goes to India it's really endearing her and Mohan's mother how she spends time with her and realizes that, mm. you know, she it is about family. And I think sometimes the family you're born into or that kind of structure you have when you were first born, that can change, that can evolve, that can grow. Like you can, you can have children, you can, you know, not have children, you can have friends with a family. Like it's very much about building your own family rather than just being in that kind of set about path. And Mohan's quite hot. Like let's let's not be let's not oh be around the bush here. <laughs> My goodness! Did any of you watch Heroes? Yes, I did. And he hasn't aged. What age? And that was like what 10, 15 years ago. Don't want to talk about it. To me, it's full too old. Too old. It's so hot. No, but it's on so that hard. note, Paris, like his mum, like when she moves over, and that when when the whole relationship comes out, when Debbie kind of reveals it Amazing. and finds out, and she's kicking off and saying to her grandmother about what like basically one of the grandmothers to be on her side and she defends I'm like I was like woo like that is that is great because you expect 
somebody to be really shocked and hurt that they're moving on from your son and, and whatnot. And I just loved the the camaraderie there. I did like I just thought it was great. It was really good. She's Strong. she's brilliant. And I, I really love that because you, you expect it to go. I think a lot of the times in this show, you expect it to go a certain way because of stereotypes. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. it shocks you and you're like, oh, okay. Um, but no, I really think that was quite lovely. They've got a really lovely family dynamic. So before we move on to the boys, let's talk about Kamala, <laughs> um, who's just ridiculously gorgeous, bless her. Um, so she she was on the Mindy Project, and um, this is again is her first main role. She kind of defies stereotypes because she is a very gorgeous woman. She could be a supermodel, but she's also a genius. Like she's basically a scientist. And she has a few love interests alike to Davy too. And I feel like in season two, we start to see similarities between Davy and Kamala. I mean, we have Steve in season one, who is, again, an, an Asian boyfriend as well. So again, there's, you know, and we have this great relationship where he's not very intelligent, is he? Let's be honest. And then obviously Prashan comes into the mix as well, who shocks her because it is an arranged marriage. She's, again, expecting the stereotypical worst. And then season two, Prashan, we suddenly don't like him anymore. And Hmm. um, we have a teacher come into the mix. (laughs) I mean, just the fact that we're juggling all these love interests that are also as well people of colour, which is amazing. I mean, Neha, like you said before, like it's where do they keep finding these attractive brown men? It's what you text me. (laughs) Yeah, and it's like, not that I, you know, I know attractive brown men, but like, so it's two things. It's like, where are they finding them? But also, can you share where you're finding them with everyone else in Hollywood? Because I'm... there, there are no excuses anymore like you can't be like oh but we could only find or we can we couldn't find it's like no I mean there are three people in the same show oh god they're just all so attractive aren't they I really appreciate Mindy Kaling's commitment to having hot South Asians on this show yeah well she didn't do it in the Mindy project did she so it's, it's nice to recoup it but yeah Kamala is um again kind of I kind of go back and forth with her whether I love her or think she's okay I was quite surprised at season two finale where she kind of leaves the dinner and goes to meet the English teacher. What did you guys think about that? Because it was a bit of a term of the books, but she did mention that Prashan was a little bit not condescending. Would that be the right word about her work? She got the ick. She got the ick. The there you go. She got the ick. She got the ick. And it does like, I think once you, once that happens, you're like, nah, 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 I'm not going to buy into this. And I think she just was, she saw the door and she went, I, yeah, I loved that. I absolutely loved it. I love her as a character. I really enjoy watching her. I don't know why. I just do. I think she's just really good energy. Good, good vibes, good vibes. But I, I did appreciate it when she left. I did. Yeah. They had, they had great chemistry though, didn't they? I've forgotten his actual name. I keep calling him the English teacher because he was in Pitch Perfect, wasn't he? Yeah, I think he was in the Mindy Project. He played Mindy's brother. Oh, cool. of course he did. Of course he did. But yeah, I think they had a good chemistry. He wasn't in season one, was he? He's new for season two. Yeah, I mm. thought so. Because they thought, they, oh, he's my favourite teacher. And I was like, have I just blanked him out season one? But hey-ho. So let's move on to the boys. Uh, Ben and Paxton We'll start with Ben So Ben actually wasn't meant to be a love interest In this show No he wasn't meant to be a love interest So he had um, Him and like Davey had so much chemistry They actually changed the script I love it when that happens 
was brilliant. What? Yeah. yeah. So he was he was obviously meant to be her nemesis, of, you know, academically, but they had so much chemistry that they changed the script. Now, when I rewatched season one, so obviously when I watched the show the first time, I had no idea that Ben was going to be a love interest because it was very much about the nerdy girl fancies the hot guy. But when I rewatched it, the chemistry is there. Like the whole back and forth banter, like, oh, did you get an A? I got an A plus kind of thing. It's so there. And when they go to that Model UN trip, I'm like, how are these guys not bagging already? It's just absolutely uh, like huge. Yeah. But yeah, obviously, so Ben, um, Jan Lewison, he hasn't really been in a lot of stuff. He's, you know, he's alike to Davey. He's very, very young as well. Um, so this is one of his first big roles. Um, and obviously Andy Samberg plays his voiceover, which I think was such a brilliant <laughs> match. Such a fantastic match. So good. So um, good. And his character's got a lot of levels to him too. Like I really got to say, give it to, to Mindy and I like, they really did write a lot of great characters. So he's, you know, he's rich. He's academically very successful. He's not your stereotypical jock, good looking guy. His parents not around he's got more like in common with his housekeeper or what did you say we don't have butlers anymore they're house managers um so he's very alone and very lost too and he obviously has this awful girlfriend Shira who looks like a pound shop version of Bella Hadid I don't know if that was the um casting <laughs> call <laughs> pound shop Bella Hadid wow um but yeah but he he is a big lovable character you know people are very much team Ben or team Paxton so I'm interested to hear your guys thoughts because he I don't think he's the conventional love character like he's not a Dan Humphrey he's not a you know a a Seth Cohen he's kind of I don't know he's a little bit of a Seth Cohen now I'm now I say that out loud I think he is I think he's yeah a little bit I'd say a little bit yeah, Jake Perotti, yeah. 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 Okay, I see that now. Okay. Now, we'll get on to Team Ben, Team Paxton in a bit, but what do you guys think of Ben for for Davey? Do you think that he is a good good fit, a bad fit? Is he a good person, bad person? What's going on with Anissa? Did he, does he actually like Anissa, or is it kind of like a, a sly dig at Davey? What's, what's happening? I don't think anyone on the show is inherently good or bad. I think they're all flawed. But I think on the good and bad scale, he tips on like on the good side, I think. I think that he probably genuinely wants to like Anissa and on some level probably does like Anissa. But I think it's he's very much trying to get over Debbie, which is why he starts dating her. I don't think he was ever using her. I don't think he would, He ever did that thing where he was like, oh, I'm going to date Anissa, he's going to piss Debbie off. But I think it was he, no. just his attempt for himself to get over Debbie He's, he's cute. Like, I mean, I know we're not doing Team Paxton and Team Ben yet, but like to me, it's always going to be like, <laughs> it's going to be like short term Team Paxton. Because if I was Debbie and I was in high school and a hot jock was paying me attention, yes, of course. Like, I'm not stupid. Yeah. But like long term, probably Ben. Yeah. Yeah, I agree actually on the long term, short term thing. I do, like, I didn't think of that before. I did. I was just blinded by Paxton. <laughs> But I do, I do love them both. I love them both. I do love them both. Um, I love Ben's face when he's like, <laughs> he does this, this constant shocked face. <laughs> um, on a long term thing, yeah, the chemistry there is more long term material in the sense of they have good banter, they have a good rapport, they have back and forth, they have strong chemistry, as you say. Um, and not in a, in a shallow sense. It's a, a deeper connection that I think would work in the long term and I do I agree in the sense that I think he 
was probably quite hurt by Debbie and he really has, but he probably hadn't felt like that about anyone before and then got hurt. I think that moment, yeah, that moment where, because I think one good thing about this show is we have a situation where a girl is stringing along two guys and hurts two guys. Well, obviously everything else we've seen, Lucas Scott, strung along Brooke and Payton, like Mm. Nate Archibald. Well, I think he was just in everyone's pants in Gossip Girl, wasn't he, to be (laughs) honest. But in this situation, she's hurt two boys who, I think they even say it, well, Paxton says it in the show, they're too good for her. Like, what what is she doing hurting them? Like, this isn't meant to happen. And Ben's emotion in the scene where he says, you ran after him, Debbie, like that oh. is so huge because I yeah when I watched it I thought shit she did she ran straight mm. after Paxson and Ben was stood there like an idiot in the kitchen and it's huge because for him like being cheated on is an awful thing it's a horrible thing being cheated on with mm. one of the most popular guys in school is awful like everyone's gonna make fun of you for it especially in high school you know one bad thing a kid falls off a chair a kid falls over in the snow you're gonna talk about it for weeks and weeks until something else horrible happens which we kind of see with Anissa's storyline a little bit which we'll touch on too Mm -hmm. but his emotion like I said like he's so alone he when what friends do you see he has he hands out with Bella Hadid and that's about it Bella Hadid (laughs) I just literally called her Bella Hadid oh dear Shearer he doesn't have any friends like the way he goes around and tries to sell those ringside tickets and Trent's like will you be there it's so heartbreaking so I think that he took this it's a big L to take you know it's it's huge um and there's there's like an emotional intelligence I think that he has at this stage in his life that Debbie will have eventually like she's moving she's growing mm -hmm. into that but like remember I think it was the first episode of this season when um, he straight up told her that he broke up with Shira because, you know, she deserves someone who, like, wants to be with her completely and he didn't want that. Like, there was a, a level of, like, emotion intelligence, also integrity in the way that he wanted to handle his relationship with Debbie. So I think that just, like, further... Like, when you saw how hurt he was, it kind of... You realise it's because he didn't... He went out of his way to make sure he wasn't treating Debbie like that. And she did to him exactly what he was trying to avoid doing to her. And it's just like, I just think, I think Jaron Lewis is in such a good job at being both sensitive, but kind, but like competitive and and just. He can be a dick too. Yeah. I think that's a face though. Yeah. It's a face. He's sensitive. He's really sensitive. And at that age, it's not cool to be sensitive. Mm. Yeah, so that's it's a good the face that he puts up, but yeah. he has that, as you say, he has that level of emotional maturity underneath that kind of makes him years ahead. And normally, guys are years behind, so it's quite refreshing as well to see it that. Is. But then sometimes I'm like, I just want to punch you. Like, why did <laughs> yeah. you do that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he was. It's, I think that that scene because you did want to punch you in that scene, like when you find out the tattoo is fake, and then he's and you're like, oh, you fucking dickhead, why'd you do that? Like, poor. And then he <laughs> hits you with that line, and you're like, oh my god, you ran after him, like because he, his voice breaks. If you literally, I've listened back to that line <laughs> ten times. His voice breaks. He's it breaks. Do you know how hard that is to do as as an actor to break at a certain point? Only a few people can do that. Brooke Davis, very good at it. This, oh. amazing. <laughs> I wanted you to fight for me. That's what I got a record of when she he said it. 
Let's talk about Paxton. <laughs> I am in the camp of Paxton as, as a regressed oh, 18-year-old girl honestly. right now. <laughs> season one, I was like, I don't want to like him, but I really like him. And you know what, season two, like he was such a dickhead. Like, well, I'll go through, I've got like a structure to this, but he was such a dickhead. And then there's that scene where he like sands down the table leg. And generally I was like, I think I need a glass of water. <laughs> Why they had to cast someone who was thirty because they knew what it would do to us, so they needed to make it. I'm getting a bit hot. Just like, honestly, I was watching again. <laughs> what am I watching? I think, and then I think Scott walked in at one point. I was like, "What are you watching?" I was like, "I don't know. I don't know if I should be ashamed or if I should tell you about this." Um, that was but yeah, so, so funny. <laughs> so Paxton Hall Yoshida was originally just Paxton Hall. So I'm assuming that the um, the casting call was just for just for of anyone really probably a white guy um but the the writers actually rewrote him to be Japanese to match Darren Monnet's um ethnicity after he was overheard speaking Japanese with one of the assistant directors so yes they overheard him and thought okay that sounds cool we'll we'll whack that in and henceforth Paxton Hall Yoshida was born um what I do like in the show is that they do mention it like how people don't know he's Japanese and I think Trent says something like whoa bro you're Japanese and he's like where do you think Yoshida, where do you think Yoshida's from and so he is um he's meant to be our jock he is part of the swim team Scott said that he's not tall enough to be on the swim team which I just think was a was a, a what's the word projection from Scott there um but he is <laughs> He is very much the school jock. He is a senior. So I said to Neha, I was, it's going to be interesting to see where they go with the timeline, whether he's going to repeat. Because I think Davy is a sophomore, the star of the show, and Paxton's either a junior or a senior. So there's a, definitely a year ahead. But if he has to repeat the whole year, then we don't know. But he is um, a swimmer. He is very popular. And she is basically in love with him the moment they're in high school. And basically he does does he cure her of paralyzation because she stands up to try and see him maybe that's what it is I don't know but he is basically your lovable jock we don't see much of him in the early steps of season one there's no kind of we have no voiceover episodes till season two it's basically this kind of like lovable jock that she just really fancies and then we slowly start to see there's more layers to him. So he has a sister who has Down syndrome, and that's a very, you know, poignant relationship there where we kind of sense him. He's not embarrassed. He's just very protective of his sister, so that's why he doesn't say anything to her. And I think that's the tipping point where we start to see more of his sensitive side. Would you guys agree with that in season one? Yeah, I agree. He stops being... I kind of liked before that when you didn't have a personality because they were really leaning into that sort of, they were leaning into that kind of female gaze thing. Like Debbie just thought he was attractive and that was the end of it. But no, I think that point, yeah, was when we started to learn more about him. Yeah, I agree. Season two. I think I've got a thing for guys who are more sensitive at the minute. I'm like, yes, come through, come through. It's what we need. But then then equally when he's climbing through the bloody window and then he doesn't want to be seen with her, I'm like, well... Well, 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 we're gonna we're gonna get to that because that's another moment where I needed hydration because I didn't understand <laughs> this show. Honestly, I'm I'm gonna write a letter complaint to Mindy. It's very hard. See, obviously, end of season one, he kind of has this wrecker re- recognition or you know epiphany that actually I do like this girl but even then it's still kind of like oh I'm not gonna say too much obviously we have the moment where he helps her he's always the knight in shining armor isn't he he's always there with the truck mm-hmm. and a clean a clean set of clothes for her obviously Davy's mum does shout at him and does call him 
I don't think she calls him stupid. I can't remember the exact words, but she does insult him quite a bit. And I think that touches him a little bit because he's probably a bit insecure about that, as a lot of, you know, jocks would, would be. Season two... We're at the point where, like, Davey's basically going to choose Ben over him because he's not a very good boyfriend. And then he kind of shows that, oh, it's not me. It's because I don't know how to communicate. And as a woman, you should teach me how to communicate, which is what many men do, I think, in life. <laughs> yes, it's just his head down in her hands. How about you go learn yourself? You, <laughs> yeah. you can invoice yeah. me for the teaching. Um, and obviously, obviously, like they they do break they do break up. He is humiliated, but it's all about him. It's all about you cheated on me with him. You embarrassed me. You ruined my swim career. And obviously, he has that thing with privilege where it gets taken away. He can no longer go to any college of his choice. Mm. Does he say something like, "Oh, it's fine. I'll just go to Stanford. You know, I'll go to any college that's like got cool people there and some some smart people kind of thing." And then he has to actually try. But then he's quite manipulative toward Davy, and he's very much like, "You have to now help me do this." What did you guys think of him then? Because that's when I started to really not like him, and I was kind of like, "Oh, I'm Team Ben." Yeah, no, I found it a bit, but in the same <laughs> sense, in the same sense, I'm a sucker for an absolute dickhead. So I was like, but it comes from a place of insecurity and she did hurt him. So she does kind of owe him. And then in my, like my mature therapized self is like, no, nobody should ever treat anyone like that. And I'm like, yeah, but give him a break because he's pretty. Um, so yeah, no, I think I think I was quite torn in that sense because I do think I think uh when you have the rug pulled underneath your feet and you're trying to find a different route of where you're gonna go next, it can be quite daunting, especially as as a guy like him who again it's that whole I think he is quite sensitive underneath it all and he is quite caring and quite empathetic but he has that facade doesn't he because he has to live up to the stereotype he has to live up to expectation I think it's been a lot of expectation on him and when when he can't fulfill that it's like where does he go from there so he sees Devi who hurt him as an out I suppose but I think he's not quite at that stage of breaking out of his insecurity enough to actually ask for help properly he just kind of mm. does it in the cool way he does it in the cool way because he he can't stand being oh, seen to be weak weak mm. and and communicate yeah as you say so yeah I, but I do love him <laughs> <laughs> I leave my window open for him every night <laughs> Oh, no, oh, I'm torn. Dear. I'm torn. This is where the 18-year-old me and the 29, almost 30-year-old me argue. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> what about you then? Because like you are always team lovable jock, but it, it was he a dickhead? Was he projecting? Like, what's happening here? It's a weird one. So I think I think so I agree with Jess. I think that 18-year-old me was like, but he's misunderstood and he's insecure. <laughs> but like me now, it's like, no, he's just being annoying for the sake of being annoying. But at the same time, I think had they not have given us an insight into what Paxton was like outside of his drama with Debbie. So if we, you know, hadn't learned about his relationship with his granddad and that, you know, he like learned more about his family and where he comes from and he would have been completely one-dimensional, it would have been easier for me to hate him. But because yeah. you're kind of, there's mm -hmm. the, they're mixing the fact that he is clearly flawed and clearly not treating Debbie very well, 
with the fact that he seems to be quite sweet outside of that. It made it a lot hard, harder to just like straight up hate him. And I think with um, both Paxton and Ben, they both lash out at Debbie differently. So whereas Paxton decides he's just going to use her to get kind of get what he wants, Ben Ben aims for the heart with you know like with that tattoo thing. Like he uses mm. it as an opportunity to really tell her how she feel how he feels. Whereas Paxton was kind of playing the long game a little bit, like you messed, you screwed me over once, so I'm going to be using you for the next year or whatever to help me get what I want. Um, yeah. So I think they both just reacted to the way that she played them differently. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Like it didn't like like for me, like when someone hurts me, I'm like I'm never speaking to you ever again. Like I'm not even. Well, they're kind of like, and I think it's because they still hold feelings. They're like, well, I'm gonna be mean to you but keep you in my life whereas I'm like mm. see ya um so it's it's an interesting concept and like in the middle of season two obviously Ben was with Anissa and was being a dick Paxton was like bullying her being a dick and I generally was like I don't want her to be with anybody I would like a new love interest to come into the mix and then the end of season two obviously Paxton has that really lovable moment where he's starting to get more into academics he, you know with the the great Gatsby case he does get really involved and studies really hard um then Ben obviously starts to like think of Anissa didn't even bother and she, that really meant a lot to me for Anissa not to care and then Paxton brings his grandfather in and obviously we have the big blowout with Nalini in common and so when she he knocked on her window I was like is this a dream sequence is this really happening <laughs> what is going on and I was so shocked that I didn't even register what was happening in the song they used was perfect. The editing was perfect. It was so brilliant. And I, in that moment, I was like, oh, it's Paxton. And then obviously the next day at school, he blanked her. And I was kind of like, Aww. oh, okay. So we're not really moving forward at all, are we? <laughs> so it is difficult. Um, and obviously at the end of season two, we're kind of back to square one, but she's with Paxton and Ben is obviously still very much in love with her. And they have very endearing moments now we asked our listeners whether they were team ben or team paxton obviously i asked us and we were from team paxton so i thought okay is this a universal thing so 58 percent were team paxton and 42 percent were team ben so it's kind of split but paxton does have a running lead at the moment whether that's going to continue within season three and we kind of you know like i said one point paxton will be going off to college and ben and debbie will have another year of school together so yeah i'm quite interested to see where you think they're gonna go i really don't know Uh, like it changes all the time like i also, we've been talking about how the guys treated her like that. I was so furious with how she treated those guys in the beginning of that true, season. True, true, true. Oh, I was ra- I was raging. I was like, why are you doing this? Like, so raging. So part of me was like, yeah, you need to learn, girl. You need to, you need to <laughs> learn some lessons. So, yeah, I don't, oh, I don't know. I got a bit of not, like, I was like, oh, the, the happy ending. And then I saw Ben's face and I was like, oh, fuck. Sake. like it's not it's gonna carry on so I don't I don't know I'm just constantly in a bit of a roller coaster I'm quite torn like I do love I love Paxton because like I fancy the ass of Paxton um but I do find it's the, it's the growth endearing. isn't it it's the growth that we like oh, oh it nice is now. it's the growth 
he's been he's doing good he's doing well he's got a therapy um no uh he's doing the work <laughs> no I don't know I don't know if it will change but I got really I did get annoyed when he started going out with Anissa when Ben started going out with Anissa I got annoyed at him I was like no you don't do that so I don't know I don't know I'm confused guys I'm just talking rubbish because I just don't know <laughs> now don't what about know. you are you pretty much like confused as well just here for the ride I yeah I mean I think long it's going to be Ben like I'm convinced it's going to be Ben okay. I think Paxton, yeah yeah I think Paxton is and there's nothing wrong with it that he's short-term fun I think he's going to teach Debbie a lot and I think she's got a lot a lot, lot to learn from a relationship um mm-hmm. and well any relationship but particularly that one but I think you know given that you know everything that Debbie would say um to her therapist and and what she was doing when they were doing the pros and cons like everything that she was saying about Ben that you know he listens that they have a genuine connection that they're competitive that he helps her be a better person like all of those things sound like things that are better in the long term yeah I yeah just think I agree that they've both got a lot of growing to do first and I oh, think yeah next I, season, I, totally agree. I mean I think next season it feels like Paxton might outgrow Debbie I think because he I, I get the feeling that he did a lot of like really he grew a lot in season two really quickly um and he's still got stuff to do but I think that he's a year older than them he's going to be looking at colleges he's going to be like in a different mind frame and I have a feeling that when because I think it's a when they break up not if they break up it's going to be it's just going to be because they're not on the same page well season three obviously has a lot to hold um not just for Davey and the boys obviously Kamala has run away from her marriage so we'll see whether her and Mr Kulkarni are actually gonna go anywhere what that's gonna be if Common's gonna be back and whether that's Better gonna be, be <laughs> whoa <laughs> <laughs> the relationship there obviously um Eleanor and Trent whether that's the thing that will happen whether Fabiola will stay with Eve and yeah so I mean a big factor of season one was all about sex and obviously, if she is dating Paxton, it is inevitable that they are probably going to have sex. She is a virgin. He is arguably not. Is that <laughs> going to be the kind of fork in the road? Is that going to be the stumbling block? We've obviously got Ben, who has feelings for her still. Ooh. But then Anissa is still around. Let's not forget about Anissa, too. And obviously, being public in high school as well, dating a popular guy and not being a popular girl, there's going to be a lot of you know reactions to that, too. Is she going to tell her mother about this? Is is there going to be a very awkward family dinner? So I think there's a lot to lot to be said, and I agree with Neha. It's going to be a bit of when they break up, not if they break up. But we could get a third love interest. You know what Mindy's like? She loves to rack the boys up, so we could get a third. Who knows? But obviously, there's nothing um, confirmed at the moment about with a season three obviously the show come out last year in april and we didn't find out it was a season two till july so there could be a little while longer until we find out but i mean ratings wise it's huge it's massive so it's it will be quite a shock if it doesn't get renewed but yeah we've, we've been promised that there's going to be a lot more days family especially her grandmother so we'll see where that goes to obviously this season was filmed during covid which i think you can kind of spot because there's no mm. kind of big crowd scenes there's a lot of one-on-one yeah. if there's a guest star and i've noticed there's another show they're always sitting really far away um mm. which is probably how they got them kind of niecy nash kind of scenes going on there too but yeah there's a lot to behold and obviously will we get more voiceovers in season one obviously john McEnroe is the voiceover of david we had Andy Sandberg We had um, Gigi Hadid in Gigi season Hadid. two yeah. I was meant to be Chrissy Teigen Oh what? Wow. 
Yeah, it was meant to be Chrissy Teigen. Just weeks before, they had to re-record the voiceover because Chrissy Teigen dropped out, which could be a polite way for being fired. <laughs> yeah, it was meant to be Chrissy Teigen. I like Gigi. I think she bought and like she bought flavor, but it was really unexpected too. But I really liked it. Yeah, I mean, season two, I think it'd be, sorry, season three, Kamala could be a good voiceover. Be interesting to have hers. Uh, maybe Nalini as well, or the girls, Fabiola and Eleanor. The actress of Anissa, so Megan Suri, has said that she wants Pedro Pascal to narrate her episode. <laughs> right. Um, that would be cool. <laughs> yeah, so there's a, lot, there's a lot that's happening on, but I think as a show, it's it's very fresh. It's not your average teen drama. It talks about, I like to things like sex education, for example. It talks about sex. It talks mm-hmm. about emotions and hormones and feelings. While still having that old American high school experience with the swim team and, you know, things like that. So, yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting future for the show. I think. Yeah. yeah. Just add that I think it's such a testament that like having a show but, but like based around cultural specificity doesn't alienate you if you do it well. You know, that excuse of like we need it to not be culturally specific so that everybody enjoys it is bullshit clearly because everyone enjoys it. And it's in mm-hmm. yeah. I love that. That's what I I love that. Well, we've got some comments from our listeners this week, which is really lovely. Um, so starting off, so we had a commentary on an episode we did a while ago, TV show couples we wanted together. And this is what they, they said, how perfect, um, Brucus Dare and Litera- Lit- Literati. That's that's Rory and Jess, isn't it? I always get the name wrong. Uh, what do they all have in common? Breaking each other's hearts and ours. Thank you for giving Dare the love they deserve. The furniture ship is not needed. <laughs> However, they did correct us. They said that, unfortunately, Milo and Alexis never actually did get engaged. They talked about marriage, but it never happened. So, yeah. No, thank you for that. It's good to have comments from previous episodes, and that's quite a popular one. So this week as well, obviously, we asked people to give us questions about the show or questions in general. So someone asked us, um, Hannah asked us, who would be your dream boyfriend now, Ben or Paxton, and who would be your dream boyfriend when you were 16? Oh, easy. Then now, Paxton then. Okay, yeah, okay. we've covered, we kind of covered that, didn't we, really? We did. We spoke about that. Yeah. Yeah, so good. Paxton when we were 16 and then probably now. Yeah. I don't know, some days I'm like, Paxton every day. <laughs> <laughs> yes. If, if he's sound in that chair leg, you know, but no, I think, I think a lot of the reason why I love Ben is that I just think he's a younger version of Andy Sandberg. Like if they do like a 10 year jump, yeah, I can see that happening. And last but not least, from Jenny, what is the strangest DM that you've ever received? I've just received one from a man asking if he can pay me to atomic wedgie him in public. So, so yeah. So, what is the strangest DM that you guys have ever received? Uh, oh, Francis from Hayden Chelsea. Whoa. <laughs> okay. He didn't. He didn't say anything. Well, I mean, it was just entirely out of context. So I don't actually, so I don't understand what he said, but this was in 2011. So I would have been 18. And he was like, tweet a picture of your poster and the tube. Get your friend to take a picture. I'm just interested in quality control. No idea what he's talking about at all. I wish it was Junior so I could expose him for being a type of way, but. What? Tweet a picture of yeah. your poster and the tube. Doesn't make any sense. I mean, 2011, that was when 
Made in Chelsea. Did you get a poster no. of something? Did you get a, a poster? Made in Chelsea poster? No. That's bizarre. I know, how I strange that, that. Like, okay. he doesn't even say, like, hey, how are you? It's like two messages in succession. That is quite weird. Okay, I'll give you that. Um, I couldn't, I went through my Twitter DMs and I couldn't really find anything that was older than two years. And like, no one's really sent me anything. But on Instagram last week, (laughs) I received a DM from a guy I went to school with and it said, am I blocked forever or have I served my sentence? Wow. And I looked it up and like, he was always a bit of a creep. And I think as soon as I got Instagram, I blocked him straight away because I just thought I'm not having him in creepy messages. And that was nine years ago. So he's been blocked for nine years and he's asking if he will be continued to be blocked. (laughs) Ew. Yes, that's that's my weird one. Jess, do you have a weird DM for us? Oh, just, I think years ago, I haven't got like a specific weird one, but years ago, somebody asked me to send a picture of my hands and then there was somebody on Twitter who <laughs> likes collecting pictures of people's belly buttons and oh, <laughs> and and screenshot I put a remember I put a tweet up I put a tweet up about um my belly button um not my belly button <laughs> put a tweet up about jeans <laughs> not fitting from H&M and you could yeah. see my belly button mm-hmm. and he cut the picture of my belly button and tried to and I was like so weird what what is the thing with belly buttons it's weird and hands and feet like there's just people out there that ask for pictures of your hands and your feet and it's but yeah my thing my nails they needed they're very strange I have no idea but then yeah I had um when I was on over the rainbow there was a guy um I I say guy I don't know who this person was (laughs) hiding behind an account called tin man who used to reply to everything (laughs) very strange very strange. <laughs> I don't know. Wow. God, the internet's <laughs> fun as a woman. Isn't very it? weird. Very, very, very weird. strange. Um, thanks for that message, though, Jenny. That's really interesting. And yeah, Atomic Wedgie, you in public. That's that's a, that's a strange one. It's bizarre. Yeah. Well, thanks for tuning into the show this week, guys. Thanks for joining us, Jess. It's lovely to have you back. Thank you for having me. <laughs> always so a pleasure. Sh- always a pleasure. So the show's a little bit different <laughs> at the moment. So Laverne um, is unavailable at the weekends when we record. So I've pre-recorded news and reviews of her earlier this week, which you will hear shortly. So if I have repeated anything, I do apologise. I have baby brain. But for now, bye Neha. Bye Jess. Bye. bye. Hey Laverne. Hello, hello. So how have you been? How was how are things going? Yeah, all good, all good. It's it's weird doing this now. <laughs> I'm like, usually, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like a completely different time of day, but no, all good. How are you? I'm good. Yeah, I'm, I'm not bad. I've got a sore throat again. I feel like the last three podcast episodes I've done, I've had a sore throat, um, oh, and I've got like no like lemon or ginger tea. First class problems. Um, <laughs> so I've got peppermint tea because for some reason, like everyone bought me peppermint tea for a while, thinking it was good for pregnancy. Oh, um, which I can say now because the, since the last time we recorded, I've told everyone that I am pregnant. Yeah, madness. I bet you get a lot of that Like people go oh, Do this Because this is what This helps And do this Oh and yeah Try this And try that And it's like I bet you're just like Oh my gosh <laughs> it is, It's like It's one of the Like you know Unwanted advice that Always happens anyway But like yeah. It's just one of those Things where it's like Well I wouldn't do that And I didn't do that I'm like yeah But you had a kid 50 years ago So I'm gonna do this You know Yeah Yeah okay. Literally Oh Let's go for it So We're starting off with something really predictable but it's 
I have such mixed reviews about the whole thing, but it's Ooh. about Scarlett Johansson. So of course, yes, of course, Scarlett is suing Disney for streaming Black Widow at the same time it was released in cinemas. Uh, so her earnings are based partly on the Marvel films box office takings, and in court papers she has said that you know it was initially supposed to be exclusively for cinemas, and now they released. They had a jewel release on Disney Plus, so she believes that her money should go from, I think, 20 million to about 50 million. Okay. How will she survive? I don't know. (laughs) Uh, This has sort of triggered a knock on effect uh, because there's reports that Emma Stone is now looking, weighing up her options uh, with Cruella because it was a similar thing. And also Gerald Butler. So remember him in the Has Has Fallen series? Uh, So he has filed a lawsuit alleging that he's owed at least 10 million in back end compensation um, from the first film in 2013, Olympus. The first film? Yeah. Yeah, so everyone is sort of saying, hmm, am I owed anything now? And it's sort <laughs> of you like... This is like PPI. Yeah. Someone, someone must be ringing around like... Yeah, except for it's not you? like, you know, the 50 quid. It's, it's 50 million and stuff like that at this point. So, yeah, I, I just think, obviously... You know, you you should get paid where your, your payment is due. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's a tricky situation because we're talking about a thirty million difference for Scarlett, for example. But and you think, oh gosh, but then you do think, well, Disney is a multi-billionaire company, so yeah, pay her. Mm-hmm. And it does make me think: Would they have done this, to Robert Downey Jr.? Would they have done this to Chris Evans? Do you know That's what I mean? And I'm point. a bit like, you know, I, I am rooting for her, you know, but it's just like. Wow, like as if you, this is really the biggest issue in the world right now. <laughs> it's it's so strange because, like you said, like would it happen to Robert Downey Jr., like Chris Evans? I don't think so. I think it's we've always said this about Black Widow on the show for like the past 18 months. Like it deserves to have that red carpet treatment, it deserves to have that big push. It should have come out five, six years ago. So I think there's a lot of probably tension here. I think Scarlett's probably been pissed off for quite some time. Yeah, I do remember that they Black, Black Widow's been in like pre-production development for ages, like years and years and years. Like Patty Jenkins was attached. There was all sorts of things going on. And I do feel like they shoehorned her into the Winter Soldier to kind of be like, it's okay, we're going to give you this film. Yeah. Oh, and we'll also put you on Civil War. Yeah. Like, I feel like she has been treated probably very bad. And I don't know what the pay differences are for the six original Avengers, but I definitely think there's some differences there. But yeah, 30 oh, million absolutely. is a lot of money. Like you said, Disney is a huge billion, you know, corporation. And um, it does make me laugh because you are thinking, like I'm sitting here stressing about maternity pay and like she's out there fighting. <laughs> Excuse me, I've only got 170 million in the bank. I need the extra. But it's interesting about Emma Stone because I feel like I should be suing them for the film being made. Uh, <laughs> I feel emotional distress. Emotional distress. <laughs> Dimension prejudice, you know. But Gerald Butler, I forgot that. Like, he must be worth, like, he must be worth quite a lot, you know? Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, I, I feel like this isn't the last we're going to hear of it either. I feel like a lot of actors, maybe even directors, writers, I feel like this is going to be like a renaissance of <laughs> realizing, you know, wait you know that happened to me that happened to me and so I I don't I yeah I don't think we're going to hear the last of 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 the cases like this I think it's going to become the norm and I like you said I think Scarlett Johansson has sort of been like over it for a while and now she's at the end of the end of her contract she's like okay so first of all like she's handed in a notice she's like I'm gone yeah yeah she has essentially handed in her notice to Marvel I don't believe she's back for what if and like 
you know, it's just, yeah, she's at the end. So she can just say, okay, I had a problem here, here and here. So, yeah. um, yeah. Very interesting. I do wonder what's like next for the original six because, like, obviously Chris Evans, he's he's creeping me out a little bit. Like he's turned into a little bit of like a Black Mirror episode like with the whole presidential thing that he's kind of doing now. Yeah, um, very yeah, political, isn't he? I'm getting strange vibes. You know, Robert Downey Jr. Obviously, we've said before he's very much in producing mode. Produce, yeah, because he just did Sweet Tooth. Yeah, um, yeah. I think Netflix. Chris Hemsworth's going to be with Marvel forever. Yeah. Um, Jeremy Renner will take a job where a job comes, you know. Well, he's just, uh, they're, they're filming Hawkeye, aren't they? I see yeah. behind the set photos of him there, yeah. Yeah, and then Mark Ruffalo, I think he's he's pretty much set. But yeah, it's interesting to see where they're all going to go next because, well, this is the problem with, with all the studios buying up each other. There's limited options to go to. So yeah. maybe we should go to Warner Brothers and get like a first look deal or Amazon or yeah. I don't know. But um yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see where this goes. Yeah. A lot of money. So lot of much money. money. That's the thing. We're talking about so much money here. So um yeah, very interesting. I think that might happen. You know how studios are sort of buying out actors. So for example, Orlando Bloom is exclusively working with Amazon for the next however many years. I think yeah. that I, I mean, I can't talk. I'm not an A-list celebrity, but that would actually appeal to me because nothing's really certain and everyone no, is buying yeah. everyone. So I think I would genuinely do something like that if I was in that position. It because is. it's just the stability for the next, if I sign a, I don't know, 10-year contract where I can write, produce, direct, act for one studio. And if it's a studio that I, you know, like, like I, yeah. I, yeah, I think I would genuinely do something like that. But, you know. It's quite classic as well. It's like like the golden Hollywood years when they're like yeah. bought by MGM and like they yeah. just do ten pictures there. Yeah, and, yeah. And then yeah, so it's it's interesting. I'm excited. Yeah. Moving on. So Matt Damon. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you've <laughs> heard about this as well. I know. I know. So <laughs> Matt Damon says his daughter called him out for using a homophobic homophobic slur after he used it as a joke. Right. Um, and so she sat down, she sat him down. I think she even wrote him a letter um, to convince him to stop using the slur. And this was only a few months ago. And he thought it'd be best to sort of bring this up during a press junket for his new film. So, yes. This, do you know what this reminds me of? Do you remember when Liam Neeson decided to tell us all about how racist he used to be? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I just think, why are you sharing that information? Like, do you want a clap on the back? Do you want a parade? And then he completely ruined and derailed that <laughs> film. The premiere was cancelled. No one's seen it. Oh, dear. What has Matt Damon even got coming out that this is terribly well, derailing? It's, it's quite controversial anyway, because um, not only is he going on this press junket where he's being quite controversial. In fact, he even said something about how there's no one makes the films that people want anymore. So no more like films where it's like independent individual stories. It's all superheroes and things like that. So not only is he going on this like massive tour where his opinions are coming out. <laughs> But still, still, Walter, the film that he's um, playing, it's actually loosely based on Amanda Knox's story. Um, oh, shit. Yeah, I've heard about this. Yeah. yeah. So, so she came out and she wrote a really informative and quite a good thread, the, you know, regardless of what you think about the entire case and her. Yeah. I read about that, yeah. how people are just taking the story, taking and dramatizing it, writing all of this fiction, people taking it as Bible. She says, no one mentions the people that died in this situation. No one mentions the innocent. And so, yeah, it's all a bit of a 
shit show basically at the moment because not only is Matt Damon his publicists cysts plural must be sweating right now <laughs> team. yeah because he's he's coming out saying all these things the film is surrounded by controversy but I know controversy sells so it, it, it probably will be all right but he plays the dad of the Amanda Knox character so his daughter oh. has gone abroad she's been embroiled in this like her, her roommate has been killed she's been arrested but she's pleading her innocence and basically they've kind of twisted it because although in Amanda Knox's case they found the person that allegedly really did do it um he goes after him himself you know <laughs> My- David does. <laughs> yeah. okay. he, tracks, he tracks him down himself I think that's kind of like the synopsis going on there so they've kind of twisted it so like justice isn't served he will serve justice <laughs> <laughs> oh, I should write a tagline for you them. That's should. Like, that was good. <laughs> wow. It's so funny how like Ben Affleck's on like this resurgence now Matt Damon's like plummeted. Like, do you think there's like Did a Did you balance? see that tweet where it's like when when Affleck rises, Damon must fall? Damon must fall. Oh, do you think they have like a like a like a WhatsApp like this conversation going on? Like, yeah, dude. Like, my life is going crap right now. Don't worry. Don't, <laughs> Don't worry, worry. I'll be take, fine. I'll take bad press. <laughs> wow, I'm amazed. I mean, I yeah I did read the Amanda Knox thread and I do think like I feel like we've just there's so much that just gets taken from people's real lives and turns into like a profit because that's what it is people make films to make a profit yeah and it's just really strange and bizarre and yeah but yeah Matt Damon's definitely turned into like that action hero dad like Gerard Butler Mm. um where he's always just trying to save the day isn't he yeah, but also he ha- he's had to do it where he now plays a dad. Obviously, Jason Bourne and stuff like that. Like yeah. he's just like this like single action star. But now it's like you're a dad now, so you have to play a dad. Like you have to, to kind of like take it higher. You're a family man now who <laughs> then saves the day because you can't be the single bachelor. You know, action. Star I never anymore. really like bought Matt Damon as a single bachelor. <laughs> like I like bless him. Like he just doesn't have that. <laughs> face for me I don't know what it is I tell it in Mr Ripley like I'm like you're a little bit of a creep you know but yeah I never really I, I think he's coasted I will say that he's coasted yeah. in the industry yeah but, you know so lastly in news I know we've spoken about this extensively but Reese Witherspoon so mm. Reese Witherspoon's Hello Sunshine is to be sold to a media company backed by Blackstone uh, so the firm is led by former Disney executives Kevin Mayer and Tom Staggs and they plan to acquire other content companies too so this is only the beginning so <laughs> that sounded like a tagline too yeah <laughs> this is Gosh. only the beginning <laughs> Um, so it's, the figure's been rumoured to be around $900 million And uh, hello titles under Hello Sunshine For those that don't know So it includes Big Little Lies It includes uh, Little Fires Everywhere And most recently the Apple TV show The Morning Show And yeah, they've been praised for the Relatively being quite inclusive Hello Sunshine uh, For female-led roles on screen and behind the scenes um, So it's It'll be interesting to see if this is upheld. I know we've spoken about this, Karis, yeah. like whether, you know, what is happening, first of I'm all. Just also, so, like, I'm just huh? so confused. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Hello Sunshine was such a breath of fresh air. Like, it's a predominantly, like, women-led company. They care a lot about people of colour as well. The content is very fresh. And, like, we literally just did an episode on Reese Witherspoon. So I'm really confused by this because, obviously, buying out the company means that a lot of creative control is... People, people, nothing's going to change, like, you know, but it, it, it does, like, inevitably it does. So I'm really confused by it. I can only imagine that there was a lot of debt in the company, but 900 think? million. Yeah. Like, that's, 
she must be a billionaire now surely obviously I'm sure that she had shareholders and things like that but yeah I always wonder how much goes in the person's pocket yeah but it's just going to be really interesting as you said to see if being like if this is up upheld upheld you know the Mm. predominantly women you know talk talking about people of color and having those people in front of the camera and behind the camera so It'd be really interesting. And then I saw that you sent uh, to me earlier that she's just signed on to do a rom-com with Ashton Kutcher, was it? Is that who yeah. I saw? This, I'm very concerned, right? Because as I recently just said in a Reese Witherspoon podcast, she went for this stage where like she did rom-coms back to back and then she actually said herself like she had to shake it off and get new content. And I'm kind of like, oh no, what's happening? Is there a divorce on the horizon? Like I'm I'm very worried. I might drop her a DM and just see if everything's okay. But yeah. Also, I'm- we haven't seen Ashton because he took a massive behind the scenes sort of role. So it's going to be very interesting just to see what Well, this I is just like. hope he's had a shower because I hear that he doesn't like showering <laughs> or washing. Or his, his children or his wife. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, that sounds cult-like to me. Mm. <laughs> you know, so. so yeah, it'd be really interesting. I mean, in terms of, rom-coms I'm very excited for the Channing Tatum and Sandra Bullock one that's coming up yes I'm so excited for this I'm looking forward to that yeah Channing Channing and another sense I want it yeah 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 coin that (laughs) because it's needed because yeah we've not seen him in a while Sandra's always doing her thing like she's fine she's just raising her family independently being amazing but um Channing yeah he kind of had a bit of a drop um, he's a, he's having a bit of a um a, a, whenever a man has a crisis on social media I can see it a mile off they post more frequently it's usually a little bit desperate usually a little bit thirsty and I'm like okay what's happening Josie Gordon-Levitt's going through I was it right about now to as say, well you read my mind yeah Josie's like Levitt. every five minutes he does I the <laughs> divorce is on the horizon there but Channing Tatum obviously his wife has taken him to well his ex-wife Jenna Dewan has taken him to court because she wants more money so mm. poor boy's out here working he's got to pay the alimony you know yeah so, but yeah I, I do I even read that she even said you know the first six weeks it was just me my child and the nanny like so she was basically insinuating that he was nowhere to be found so I it is so messy when they I just air laugh their dirty when, yeah when laundry like, right like I don't know I don't know how I could have coped it was just me and my nanny oh your nanny <laughs> thank poor god you. poor you but yeah. um yeah so moving on to reviews now this is a new release but it is for the film. It is for the film company I work for, but this is not a plug. I will not get paid anymore. Here she goes. She started already, guys. <laughs> Only three weeks in, but it's a film called Two of Us, and it's a French language film. So I now have a a newfound love for foreign film because there are so many stories that we don't know about because people can't be bothered to read subtitles. I mean, uh-huh. like everyone saw Parasite and then kind of was like, oh yeah, that's cool. But no one really explored. <laughs> <Checked> out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Including myself, I will admit. Um, but yeah, it's a French language film and it follows Nina and Madeleine. So they're two retired women who have secretly, deeply been in love for decades. Okay. Uh, so they appear as simply neighbours. So they they live next door to each other, but they've been together for decades. And when... Sorry, what's the name of this? Two of Us. I've seen it. No way. Yeah, I saw it at Leeds Fest last year. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And so for our listeners, yeah. And so when some a tragic event happens, uh, it shows just how hard it is to come out no matter what age you are. That's my one takeaway from it. I mean, these women women are in their 70s and their children refuse to believe. They can't believe, you know, that their mum could 
ever be gay. And so it just goes to show that how stigmatized it is, you know, no matter your age. And also, it also made me realize how much of a say you don't get unless you're married. So if your loved one who you've been with for decades, she can't even go and see her, you know, in hospital, she can't make any decisions. And I was just like, I can't believe a piece of paper literally like rules whether you can have a say over your literal partner's like health and like their assets and stuff it's it's funny because like I've been looking into like certain bits and pieces like because obviously having a child like if anything happens to me and just because like Scott and I are married he technically doesn't have any rights over the baby insane unless we were married and then I think like once we signed the birth certificate then he does have rights but yeah when the baby's born like literally it's just like I'm on my own well I won't be on my own but you know what I mean but yeah I mean when I watched this film like that's what really struck me and also the fact like there's there must be so many people of the LGBTQ community who have secret relationships and if something ever happened like a car accident a coma or like this situation they literally would not know because nobody would contact them. Nope. And that's what really terrified me about this film and I was just hooked. Plus there's some really funny parts in it as well with like, the carers that are trying to like, obviously they have no idea what's going on, but no, it, yeah. was, it was lovely. I really loved this film. It was really, it took me by surprise actually. It really did. Yeah. Go and see it. Go and see everyone. It. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did actually really like it. And uh, the other thing I've been watching, so I got a new iPhone in April and I got my free Apple, Apple TV. Yeah, for a year. So I said, yeah, clicked through and then I've done nothing with it. I have done absolutely <laughs> nothing. So um, the, literally this week I, I sat down and I was like, let me actually just have a look because I've, I've, I heard about the Jason Momoa f- uh, show, C, oh, yeah. uh, which looked, you know, quite interesting. I never actually watched the morning show. Uh, Neha's always going on about Ted Lasso So that's what I was originally <laughs> That's. I'm so glad she's not here She's going to be like Aggressively, oh. no, she does <laughs> No, but you know She is the biggest stand of the show So I was like, yeah. okay, let me actually watch that But then I came across this show So it's called For All Mankind Okay And so I decided to actually watch it And it's a really cool premise So imagine when America uh, went to the moon first but imagine if they didn't so imagine if Russia did it and it just talks about history and it imagines where humanity would be now if we didn't do a lot of the firsts well we Americans didn't do a lot of the firsts so it's so good Um, so it stars Joel Kinnaman uh, Michael Dorman and Sarah Jones and in this alternate reality we're also exposed to people who are actual people so like the presidents Neil Armstrong Buzz Aldrin so it's like it's really really cool like so like I don't want to spoil it but there's just one little thing that happens so JFK his I think it was his brother um he killed he killed a woman uh in real life he was Bobby like, was it Bobby I can't remember I can't remember which one there was, there was loads of them wasn't which Kennedy it was but he was at a party he was not with his wife a woman was in the car and he crashed into a lake she died he managed to get out and he took ages to uh, call the police and so that was a whole fiasco and then he couldn't run he didn't win his presidential run because the he scandal was surrounded <laughs> by him but because America didn't get to the moon first and Russia did he then didn't go on that lake trip that he was supposed to so it just changed just things like that just little fly effect yeah just little things that would have happened that didn't and so I'm hooked I'm really enjoying it the budget wow wow really yeah because it's like you know those you can't really watch a sci-fi film or any sort of media to do with sci-fi anymore without 
you know, millions in the budget no. because of where CGI, because of where effects are. So yeah, no, I, I'm really liking it. It's a cool watch. And it's, I think it's really cool to watch even if you're not into history. So even if you're not into little Easter eggs like that, you can just, it's a story, even if you don't care whether it happened or not. It's just a cool story to watch. Um, so just finishing season one now. Season two is already on there and it's been commissioned for a season three. So I've got okay. tons to Yeah. Um, but I do wonder about Apple TV. I don't know much like in terms of how popular it is. I know Apple don't yeah. need the money. That's why they're just turning <laughs> out these shows. We do this for fun. <laughs> yeah, literally, because the Jason Momoa one and there was the Chris Evans one, Jacob's Letter. Was that that was incredible. Um, Finding Jacob. Finding Jacob, yeah. yeah. That was really, really good. And then I think, yeah, I've watched The Morning Show. Scott watched a show called uh, Tehran and he really liked that. Okay. Um, and then Neha's watched a couple of others. But yeah, there's that really good content. But I find it so hard to navigate. Like the interface of it is yeah. just... Like, I don't know what's free. I don't know what I have to pay for. Like, yeah. it says like, oh, we've got this. And you click on it and you're like, you have to pay £10 extra a month. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's, um, it is it is good. So, but yeah, I don't think, does anyone pay for Apple TV? Or is everyone on a free trial? Everyone's just using their year. I, I feel like it's just part of getting a phone now, isn't it? Mm, yeah, because I do end up, so when I got the phone, I then got, a new Apple TV and then I was like oh if I change my Apple ID I can get another year but like do you know what I mean just things like that but yeah I I, I'm going to delve into the Apple TV shows more now that I've activated it um and because they are like we said the budget is just through the roof for most of them Um, there's that Tom um Holland film as well isn't it Cherry that was oh yeah Apple TV and I think that was also uh, Anthony Mackie, Samuel Jackson, and I think Bucky's in it too. The Banker, I think it's called. Ah, uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, so there's a ton on my watch list. So um, I'm sure everyone will hear me talk about them. But um, yeah, yeah, I just it, it, like you said, the interface. Like I dread going on it because I just don't <laughs> even know what's around and what I can watch because it will just give you the latest news and shows anyway. But you don't actually have access to them all. <laughs> no, it's um, like a teaser. But no. I agree. Yeah. So yeah, I've been really enjoying that so far. And um, yeah, looking forward to exploring it a bit more. Oh, I also, I mean, I'm not adding this to my list, but Lover's Blind Reunion. <gasps> Did you watch it? A mess. It was such a mess. Wow. But plot twists, like left, right and centre, like the the villain has changed. Mark what it's just in it's just insane I did feel like they were kind of like plucking because there's no way for example with the whole Barnett Amber and Lauren situation there's no way you're still angry two years later two I don't know a very long time (laughs) yeah but then Amber is kind of unhinged so maybe maybe. I completely agree like I like I feel like he's mother so there's this part in the reunion where like she's basically moaning I really want to have a baby I really want to have a baby and he's like we live in an apartment with your friend because no money because he had to pay off your debts (laughs) by debt like there was student loans because she dropped out of university okay you know it happens but my makeup credit card and then when she was doing her makeup I was looking like what makeup do you have to quantify it wasn't even groundbreaking (laughs) it wasn't like she it just it was but the season two isn't there so I'm excited to see um season two roster a whole new roster roster. of people I mean I am team Lauren and Cameron forever although Cameron's so perfect they're annoying yeah although Cameron does kind of like I feel like (laughs) 
I feel like go on, go on, go on. I feel like you'd wake up and he'd just be staring at you. Like, do you not get that vibe? <laughs> like, because he's just so infatuated and in love with you. Like, I will kill people for you. I will yeah. die for you. Maybe he it's has. A, it's a bit, it's a bit intense for me. Like, it I'm happy. Intense. Like, I like to view them, but I just feel like that's not a bit of me. It's just a bit intense. It is. And what do you think about like, Damien and Gigi? I've you know, Gigi, we've, had, we've had two years to learn her name, Karen. <laughs> Still, I'm like Gigi, Gigi yeah. <laughs> like your best friends. Um, I feel like she was so calm in comparison to how crazy she can get. Yeah, I agree. Because I remember someone sending me the tweets of like him holding that girl's hand in the street, and I was thinking, oh, okay. Um, but their vibes are really weird. Like I have, so, I don't have friends, but I know people that like. They've said no to a proposal and they're still together. And I'm kind of like, okay, that's uh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, the whole situation's quite odd. But I feel like she was just too calm. So either she has just mentally tapped out from him, because that happens, doesn't it? Or it does. It does. she's been up to stuff herself. I was just saying, <laughs> you haven't even caught me. I'm yeah, cool. yeah, literally. Because cool. the Francesca from Too Hot to Handle, she's just there for publicity, clearly. I don't think Damon, Damien's her type at all. Um, oh, I, she in too hot to handle. I didn't realize. Yeah, yeah. interesting. So all um, the reality stars, they just mindle. Yeah, they? yeah, and um, yeah. It was. It was. First of all, it didn't need to be three episodes. That was my first takeaway. They I didn't realize that, that it was. <laughs> they could have got all of that into one. Um, second of all, yeah, you just realized that literally Lauren and Cameron are the only two oh. normal ones out of the entire franchise because everyone is crazy like delving into lc how she's dated like everyone from the show that was quite funny actually she's dated everyone i said the cameraman and me yeah um, i was i was not surprised by that one thing i wanted to bring up with you was just in relation to news so obviously anna diarmez has got this film Blonde, which is based on Marilyn Monroe. And it's come out via our favourite source of gossip, Anna Diarmez Updates, Twitter page, <laughs> um, that according to Industry Insiders, Netflix has been absolutely horrified by the sexually graphic final cut of Blonde submitted by director Andrew Dominic. They want a new version, Dominic Doesn't, um, which has delayed the release of the film. Um, apparently people have commented that you know Netflix wanted a Beatty Awards winner instead of an obtuse art house film but apparently there is a just kind of reading here um, there is a full-on rape scene and a bloody menstrual cunnilingus um, and they want a new version of the film apparently the cut called Netflix completely off guard they were under the impression that this was an Oscar player when in fact it's kind of like a vague obtuse art house film which is not what they expected what are your thoughts on this because when it was first announced I was kind of like oh this would be quite interesting because you know it's nice to see I think Marilyn Monroe films there could be better versions I did like my week with Marilyn obviously we've had some strange ones since then but I don't know I've maybe it's because I get bad vibes from Anna Diarmez now but I was really taken aback by this because I thought we were past putting rape in films that we didn't need to see yeah, I can't believe I didn't I didn't know about that. Interesting because we've heard about this for a really, really long time. I heard that Anna Diamas, she had nine months of speech like therapy, speech uh, consulting, teaching to get the accent right. And she said it was the worst thing she's ever had to do. And she's worked really hard. So I was always really looking forward to it because it was just interesting, um, kind of how I feel about uh, Christian Stewart playing um, Princess Di. It's like 
this was the, the casting oh, was so odd to me that I was like, I have to see it myself. Because, you know, nine times out of 10, when they do cast someone, I go, oh yeah, oh yeah, I can see that. Oh, that yeah. makes sense. But yeah. with those two in particular, I was like, well, how was that going to happen? But uh, yeah, like you said, we've moved, you can insinuate the situation and the scenario without graphically showing us. Sometimes it's just not needed. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that, you know, the maker is not willing to change it, it's, it's either going to go get in development hell, let's be honest, yeah. or they're going to have to wait for another studio to buy it. So that would be very interesting. I know. I can, I can see them burying it when they just like put it on Netflix and just don't tell anybody. Yeah. <laughs> and you just find it on like a list one day. But mm. yeah, I was I was quite surprised by that because I just I just don't think we're in the position where we have to see rape scenes in films. Like I think you can artistically and narratively do a job of insinuating that there has been a rape or I just think that we just I don't know I'm just I'm not a big fan of it and now I'm kind of like put off by the film and there's obviously a lot of aggression going on at the moment discussion people think oh you know it should be realistic and you're like well you know it I don't know it's a very strange thing and I think with Marilyn Monroe as well she's been treated terribly yeah and I just think sometimes again it just goes back to what we said about exploitation of like store real stories and real people yeah I mean (laughs) have we got another Ted Bundy thing with Chad Michael Murray I heard about this it's enough it's and enough. I'm also sick of people trying to tell me he's a heartthrob. You would have got in his car. <laughs> Absolutely not. Oh my God. He is the most normal looking man ever. No, I never got like when everyone was like, he was a, he was a stud, like a heartthrob. I was like, have you seen the same pictures I have? Like I'm I know saying. the 70s was a weird time, but yeah. you know, almost famous. Like Billy Crudip. Yes, I totally would have got in his car, but you know. <laughs> Ted Bundy and the thing is as well like with Ted Bundy just to side check a little bit he never got people in his car because he was good looking he pretended to like be hurt so it's not like that's how he won people over so yeah at the one tree hill cast just pissing me off at the moment the girls are <laughs> annoying me Chad Michael Murray is annoying me like poor Nathan he's just holding the team up to a high standard but yeah yes. I just find that there's just yeah lots of weird casting decisions these days there are some that are absolutely smashing it and then some yeah. way I'm just like how did we get here like <laughs> and how are we telling this story again like Again. And we can we know it it's not gonna do well because shockingly wicked, whatever, whatever that was called, who's like Efron did it too amazing, despite the level of advertisement that went into that. that My gosh, you couldn't huge. go anywhere. You couldn't no. go anywhere without hearing about that. It was in the fridge when you opened it. It was like the milk. It was crazy. literally, and it's such a shame because I am a Zac Efron stan till I die. Same. And he was trying to like you know do the more serious stuff, and it didn't really work out. But I also think it's just not really that interesting of a story. You know, I you know he killed innocent women, okay, but there wasn't. You know, when you've got like like different type, the Zodiac killer, like it's really like interesting, like or Charles Manson, how he really like brainwashed people, but like. Like you said, he just pretended to be hurt. Like, yeah, that's okay. It. Like, let the the loved ones deal with you know still dealing with the loss of their family members. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. put it to rest. <laughs> let it go. Let it go. <laughs> Are you gonna see Suicide Squad or the Suicide Squad? What's this film called again? <laughs> I I think I am. I think I am. Okay. I think okay. I'm gonna go. I didn't love the first one. But I, the reason I didn't love the first one was because by the time I'd, well, first of all, the trailer was completely different. Obviously, as you know, we, we were sold yeah. a really dark film, you know, oh, yeah. and then it was really light because of how bad Batman and Batman v Superman um, went. 
And I also felt like the first like 40 minutes, I was just trying to get to grips of who was who. You get that, don't you? That's why I, I know I'm a Marvel stan, but when, you know, we were introduced to the Avengers before the Avengers film came out. So you know yeah. exactly what that, not villain you know exactly what that superhero could do you know exactly what their powers were you knew a little bit about the a lot of their backstories so I found like the first like 40 minutes of Suicide Squad I was like so he does what who does they did like do you know what I mean and so now because I know we know like 90% of them (laughs) I think I will check it out well thank you it's great to great to have you back and to be here in the news and reviews again it's very strange now I think with cinemas being reopened again I'm like how far behind am I now yeah I didn't even get to catch up during the pandemic it was just a little bit I'm just not I'm just not putting stress on myself I like if I see it I see it if I don't I don't I will eventually me too Um, too. yeah there's not I don't feel the rush the way I did when they when they first opened and I was like oh my gosh I've got to see quite a place too I've got to do this I've got to do that and now I just I'm just like if I get round to it I will I Mm. love film as we all know but at the same time because there's been such a backlog there's no rush because they. I waited eighteen months for some of these films. I can wait. Yeah. I can wait a couple more months. Wait again. So, yeah, it's be fine. Good. Yeah, whenever I see people talking like on Twitter about certain films, I'm just like, yeah, I'll see that in a year. Like that cow yeah. film, and then we've got that. Is it a lamb film now? Goat uh, film. I know there's Nicolas Cage and his pig. The pig there's film. There's pig. There's pig. There's the first cow. There's this other one. I think it's a lamb. Oh god. Um, and then obviously Green Knight. If we ever see that. I know, I know. I should have put that in the news without the lack of a yeah UK release. I know. And then you've got Courtney who's now seen it three times, bitch. <laughs> no. And I'm gonna say it again, Courtney, bitch. <laughs> so um so yeah, I don't I don't really know, but we'll see what happens. We need new films to come out because if I see someone post midsummer one more time my timeline, I'm gonna punch my laptop screen. I know, literally. There's other films, guys other films (laughs) okay thank you so much um so yeah that's the end of our show one thing to say is that women x tickets are now available um so you can attend at our lovely venue in the northeast if you're local fancy a little bit of a trip or you can tune in digitally which is um via a really lovely platform so you don't miss out so you can be part of the action if you're at home if you're busy if you're working you can catch up a few days later and we've got festival tote bags and festival packs and lots of goodies inside so yeah, it's on our website, riampictures.com slash tickets. And if you've got any questions, just pop us a message. We will be there. We're doing live podcasts. It's very exciting. Me, Laverne, and Neha in the flesh. Ooh. Um, <laughs> thanks, guys. Bye. That's us for another week. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe or hit the follow button on Spotify. You can also find us on Twitter at NotHavingItPod and Instagram at Pictures. Reviews are really helpful for a little independent show like ours. So if you can leave a few words in Apple Podcasts, we'd love you forever. And if you have a suggestion for an episode topic or have a question to ask, just pop us an email at info at or drop us a DM on social media. We'll be back soon. Bye, guys.